Hi friends, Gerald Law here. Welcome to the Love Lake Norman podcast. Love Lake Norman is a church in Cornelius, North Carolina, whose mission is to help people find and follow Jesus. You're about to hear a message that will be helpful and hopeful. Our goal is to encourage you to take the next step in your faith. Wherever you are, we want you to know that God has a plan and a purpose for you. Thanks for spending time with us today. We hope you enjoy this message. What do you think of when I mention the word prayer? You know, for a lot of us, I think what comes to mind is being in trouble. Like, God, I am uh, turning to you. I'm praying because, well, I've tried everything else and nothing has worked. But if you get me out of this predicament that I am in, if you get me out of this bind, I promise I am never going to do this again. I'll never talk to him again. I'll never make a deal with her again. I'll never say yes to that again. I'll never answer that text again or go to this party or drink this or smoke that again. I was in a situation like this recently. Uh, I was on a fishing trip with some friends and it was going great until pretty quickly the weather turned. A storm came up and we tried to go around it, but we got caught in some of some, some really big waves uh, on the way back to shore. And we spent about three hours in sometimes eight to 10 foot waves, crashing up and down, slowly making our way back. And I definitely threw up a couple of prayers in the middle of that situation. Thankfully, I did not throw up. But it's not bad to pray that way. It's not, not at all. The Bible's full of prayers of desperation. It's communication with God, right? But if that's the only way or the only time that we really talk to him, it's kind of like uh, when my kids were little, like toddler age, and they would just ask for things all the time. It seemed like some days that all Luke wanted or cared about and lived for was snacks. He was always wanting snacks. He was always asking us for snacks. Prayer is about asking God for things, yes, but we're missing out on the relationship if that's all it is to us. Prayer is more like if, if you're a, a power cable and you're plugging yourself into an electric socket. It's how you access God's power. Or, or it's like if you're a sailboat and, and your sails are down and then you suddenly raise them up and you pick up the wind. Prayer is like raising your sails. You really are powerless until you do it. Prayer is the, is the outcome of a healthy relationship. It's allowing our soul, which we've talked about in this series, uh, soul renovation, we talked about it last week, uh, to be aligned with God. It's not just a transaction. It's, and it's tempting to see prayer as like an ATM machine. I put money into my account. I put a card in and I make a withdrawal. I pray, God gives me what I, what I want. Have you ever treated a relationship like that though? Has, has somebody done that to you? I'm sure you've experienced that side of things in a relationship where you feel used maybe even abused because they just come to you when they want something. But that's not how we deal with friends, is it? Or at least if we're trying to be a good friend, it's, it's not how we should see our family or our, our spouse. Like this is just a transaction. That's a pretty dysfunctional way to live in terms of relationships. So I have a question for you today related to prayer and your answer to this question, it has the power to change your entire outlook on God and quite possibly the direction of your life. If you take the answer to this question seriously, I'm not exaggerating, it has the power to do just that, to change your life. But in order to get to, to that question, I first want to tell you a story from the Bible about a guy named Elijah. This 
story happened in, in, in the kingdom of Israel after King David, after King Solomon, when there were a series of kings that got progressively worse and the nation, the, the people of Israel got, they got further and further away from God until a guy named Ahab became king. Ahab was worse than any of the kings before him. He married Jezebel, who was the daughter of a pagan king outside the nation of Israel. Not only that, but Ahab began to worship Jezebel's god, Baal. He set up altars. He established prophets, the prophets of Baal. But Elijah was Israel's prophet. He had been called by God for this important task. And he began to tell Ahab, turn back to the one true God before it's too late. And, and oh, by the way, it's not gonna rain on our land until you do. And it didn't. There was a drought, it got really bad, people were dying, livestock was dying, it was getting ugly. Elijah goes into hiding because the king is now after him, but the king can't find him. And one day though, this guy Obadiah sees Elijah and he says, man, we have been looking for you. And so Elijah goes and he agrees to meet with Ahab who, who says to Elijah, Elijah, you brought this drought on us. To which Elijah replies, Ahab, you brought it on yourself by disobeying God. But Elijah says, here's what we're going to do. We're gonna settle this dispute with a contest. The contest will be all of your prophets of Baal, the 450 of them versus me. God's one prophet. And Elijah says to the people, he says, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. And so they go to Mount Carmel and they have this contest. And it's basically that whoever brings down fire from heaven serves the one true God. That's the one you ought to turn to and listen to. So the Baal prophets called out day and night to their God and nothing happens. And it gets so bad that Elijah makes fun of them. He says things like, you know, maybe your God's asleep or he's on vacation. Maybe he's, he's out of town. And then um, Elijah builds an altar. God shows up, fire rains down on the offering Elijah had put on the altar and it's all over. The people realize their mistake and Elijah orders that the 450 prophets of Baal be executed. And finally the rain comes back and they lived happily ever after, right? No, because this is the Bible and that's really how it works. Jezebel is mad because she's been shown up. And so she sends a message to Elijah. She says, basically, I'm going to kill you. And after all that, that confrontation that happened with the prophets, all the boldness, Elijah runs for his life. He says, I've had enough Lord, take my life. I'm, I'm, I'm no better than my ancestors. And he had this realization as amazing as the Mount Carmel call fire down from heaven experience was, he couldn't live there. He couldn't live in it. A spiritual experience alone won't sustain you. You need relationship. Elijah couldn't live on that high alone. And so he goes from a moment of great faith to one of great discouragement. I don't know if you've ever felt like that, but this is where I want you to see the gentleness of God at work and how he is in his relationship with you. Elijah is so exhausted after running and running that he falls asleep and God sends an angel to touch him on the shoulder. The angel, sa angel says, hey, get up and eat. And there was cake and water right there. And so Elijah gets up and he eats and then he goes back to sleep again and again. The angel comes to him and says, get up, this journey's too much for you. And so Elijah ate and drank again. And then he traveled 40 more days and nights to a place called Mount Horeb, which is where we pick up the story in the book of 1 Kings 19. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? 
Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down their altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and he went out and stood at the entrance of the cave and a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied again, I have zealously served the Lord God almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars and and killed every one of your prophets. And I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. Then the Lord told him, go back the same way you came and travel to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive there, anoint Hazael to be king of Aram and then anoint Jehu, grandson of Nimshi, to be king of Israel and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from the town of Abel, Meholah, to replace you as my prophet. Anyone who escapes from Hazael will be killed by Jehu and those who escape Jehu will be killed by Elisha. Yet I will preserve 7,000 others in Israel who have never bowed down to Baal or kissed him. If you want to hear God, You have to get yourself to a place where you're listening. And so here's the question I want to ask you. Are you making room in your life to listen to God? Is there room in your life to listen? This doesn't automatically just just happen. It isn't always obvious. It's not like writing in the sky happens or an audible voice is something you hear. It's not just seeing the coincidences in life, like, oh, look where God showed up or a particular situation and assuming God only speaks through those things alone and it's also not just listening to your own your own heart it's it's getting to a place where you can hear god god wants to speak to you just like anyone you're in a serious relationship with he has things he wants to say and listening to him involves finding a quiet place like elijah finding a quiet place to go whether you find it or whether you create it it means being still slowing down slowing the pace of your heart the pace of your soul down And it it takes that if you want to discern God's voice among the noise, because all the noise demands our focus and attention. Listening involves tuning that out. It involves opening up the Bible and reading. This is how God often will choose to speak to us. Is there room in your life to listen to God? Or what do you need to stop doing or, or start doing to make room to listen? What, what habits need to be broken? What habits do you need to begin? What location works the best for you? Like a, a cave or your car or a, a certain chair or maybe a pathway in the woods near your house? What needs to be prioritized or maybe in your life deprioritized? Jesus knew this and he practiced this himself. And here's what he had to say about listening. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. That's from the book of John chapter 10. 
The more we hear from him and the more he speaks, the more we'll know his voice. I remember when we had our first child and uh, two people suddenly became three when we came home from the hospital. I, I know that if you're a parent, you have video monitors now that go off at the slightest movement, but it was amazing how quickly you naturally become attuned to the presence of a new person in your house. Every little squeak and cry that goes on, you hear. And I remember wondering, how are we going to know if she needs something? Do we need some kind of like alarm system hooked up to the baby? I didn't need to wonder because we became tuned into every sound that she made. Elijah finally tuned back into God, and when he did, he finally was able to hear God and finally was able to receive within himself the truth about his situation. One of the things that God says when Elijah finally listens is this, life isn't hopeless. And when you tune into God, that is going to be one of the first things he says, one of his most important messages to you, that life isn't hopeless. You aren't seeing the whole picture, Elijah. You and I can't see the whole picture in life like ever. Okay, but, and this is like a huge but, all right? You can talk to the one who does. We can connect with the one who sees everything. For Elijah, there was more to this situation than he was seeing. He felt like he was the only one. And God says, hey, there are 7,000 others just like you who haven't bowed down to Baal yet. You can't see everything. Prayer always shows you also that you're not alone. You're not alone. Almost every time I slow down and pray, I can sense God in different ways saying these same things. Life isn't hopeless. You are not alone. Life isn't hopeless. You are not alone. Life isn't hopeless and you're not alone. And my soul needs to hear that message and yours does too. Are you making room right now in your life to listen to God? My guess is that for each one of us, there is hope that he wants to speak into our lives if we will make room to listen. So start today, even in small ways, making room to listen to him. Let's pray. God, help us to listen. And that's going to often mean we get away from the distractions in our lives, we get away from the noise, that we turn it off. The truth is, God, we can become addicted to the noise. We can crave it, whether it's the noise coming at us from uh, the, the radio or from outside of our house or even from our phone or just other people in our life who are, who are, our life who are incredibly well-meaning. But sometimes we just need to step back and step away and listen to you. Give us the strength Give us the ability, please, to do that with you today. And I know, God, that when we do that, when I do that, it changes my life. I pray this in the amazing name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for listening. You can find out more about Love Lake Norman at lovelkn.org. If you live in our area, we would love to have you join us on Sunday. If you're not near our church, we want to encourage you to find a life-giving church to be a part of where you live. That will be a key next step on your spiritual journey. Please take a minute, subscribe to this podcast, and keep up to date with our weekly messages. And thanks again for joining the Love Lake Norman podcast.